Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Tuesday, August 22nd, we are studying Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 8 to 20. In today's text, Solomon speaks more proverbial wisdom concerning the twists and turns that all people face in this life under the sun. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair. Pastor Boisclair serves as interim pastor at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Well, it's great to be here from uh, from Milwaukee. <laughs> That's right. As, as we are recording this, you are there at the convention for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in Milwaukee. Thank you for your service to the church and a reminder for all of us to be in prayer for our church body, for our congregations, and for our national church body as a whole. Pastor Boisclair, we get to talk about the book of Ecclesiastes today. As we prepare to look at part of chapter 10, what should we know about the book as a whole, what Solomon's been talking about, some of his his themes and major emphases in this book? Well, you know, for any of any of our audience that uh, has taken uh, college uh, philosophy, uh, there is such a thing as ethics, and there's such a thing as meta-ethics. And uh, in, in, the, in the scriptures, uh, we have kind of an example of this with uh, of the book of Proverbs, uh, you know, the other books of, of Solomon, and, and of course the prophets, where, where certain um, principles uh, like the Ten Commandments are expressed, and, and you might call them ethics. Uh, well, there, is, uh, there are also, in the case of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, a, a book which uh, kind of investigates the basis and, and uh, the ground of, of, of having ethics. We, so they are called meta-ethics. Meta and in the case of Ecclesiastes and Job, for instance, those two books Ecclesiastes is one of the uh, meta-ethical uh, texts in the scriptures. Mm. So what kinds of things do we encounter in the book of Ecclesiastes that, that apply to what you're talking about there with the meta-ethics? Well, it, it, it's kind of saying, well, what's the purpose mm. of uh, living the good life or uh, living in the world or wisdom even? You know, there's kind of like a question. And, and wisdom, of course, is, is a very important factor in this book, you know, because it wants to impart God-given wisdom to uh, the reader and, and, and the listener. And, of course, there should be listeners because uh, a Koheleth or Ecclesiastes means preacher. And, and so in this case, it's, it's saying, well, is there any reason for us to be good? <laughs> is, there, mm-hmm. is, there, uh, is there any basis for saying that we should do this? And so that that's kind of like the, the questions. It's kind of like asking, well, you're you're giving me uh, teaching on wisdom. Well, what's uh, why is that important? Mm. That's that's kind of the what it's doing. 
What kinds of conclusions do we see Solomon reaching in the book of Ecclesiastes concerning those questions? Well, in, in, in looking at, he, he shows the pointlessness of human wisdom. Uh, and, and in other words, without Yahweh, without God. And, and, um, and, and even saying, you know, so, so what, he, what you have is kind of like maybe, maybe some uh, rules for life or uh, suggestions or, or um, uh, you know, basically telling people that uh, they should make the most out of their life and, and, and not make bad decisions, that type of thing. But but uh, still, you know, I think the the thing the point that he's trying to make is everything then without God or without faith is meaningless. Yeah. So, and we've seen him say that over and over again that everything without faith, apart from the fear of God, is meaningless. Whenever we try to take control of things ourselves, think that we can take control of things ourselves then we just end up striving after the wind. And it's only in the fear of God, in faith in him, that life really has any point or any meaning or is goes beyond vanity that is all Solomon talks about when he looks at this life under the sun. Exactly. And and the thing, the message to the world uh, and, and to like the unbeliever is that that's the best you can do. Hmm. And and all all you're doing is putting out of your mind uh, the fact that one day you will have to die. Of course, as uh, we believe on the basis of God's word, that there is also something after that, which is uh, very frightening. And, 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 and of course, in, in, in our proclamation, we warn uh, the people of the world of that, uh, you know, eternal damnation, mm. which is also after death. But I mean, a lot of, uh, but, but basically it's, it's like, well, this will only go on for a time, uh, for maybe uh, 70 or maybe 80 years, but, um, you know, at least from a worldly perspective, that's all the time you have. Yeah. Now, before we before we started our conversation this morning, Pastor Boisclair, you were sharing with me a quote from Dr. Gene Veith that you, you found helpful thinking about the book of Ecclesiastes and approaching our text today. Yes, um, that's uh, from... Uh, the spirituality of the cross, the way of the first evangelicals, which is really, I, I really recommend that to any, any, uh, you know, adult Christian who wants to really understand uh, what, as Lutherans, we, how we, um, uh, or, you know, I want to say structure, how we order, a better word is how we order our Christian life. And I think that that, that, book is so simple, uh, so well stated, and so simply stated that it's a, a good book. Anyway, it's uh, from page 88. It says, prayer also brings faith to our vocation. You know, in other words, our callings in life as, as husband, father, or mother, uh, son or daughter, uh, student or employer, employee. The dependence realized in prayer is an example of faith. Without faith, vocations are mere employments, mere things to do, empty of God and empty of meaning. Faith sees them as masks of God. Without faith, suffering is empty and purposeless, an example of the absurdity and meaninglessness of life. With faith, suffering in vocation becomes a cross comprehended in the saving cross of Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, that's very, very helpful, Pastor Boyce Claire, to to think about the themes that Solomon brings up in the book of Ecclesiastes throughout, that it is meaningless, it is vanity, futile, this chasing after the wind, apart from faith in Christ. Thinking about the particular text that we've got today, verses 8 to 20 of chapter 10, this looks a little more proverbial in nature, but not unrelated to all the things that we've been talking about. Any introductory thoughts on, on what we're going to see in particular in this text as a whole? I think, uh, you know, we can kind of chime in on, on the title of this program uh, because uh, we have the uh, topic of, in verse 10, of right. sharpening the edge of the iron. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yes, we get one example of the ironing, the iron being sharpened here in Ecclesiastes 10. So here is the text. We are looking at Ecclesiastes 10, beginning at verse 8 this morning. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what it is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature will tell the matter. That is our text for today, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 8 to 20. There's a variety of wisdom here, Pastor Boyce Claire, some very uh, interesting and, and helpful thoughts that King Solomon gives us. Let's start there in verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. What is Solomon telling us? Well, it, it, it's kind of like, um, could it possibly be like Murphy's Law? If, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. There you go. Um, there's, there's numerous times where um, uh, the, in the scriptures, it, it speaks about the enemies of, of people digging pits for them. And in, in the Psalms, of course, the uh, psalmist uh, says, they dig a pit in which they will fall themselves. So a, a lot of times it's kind of like a situation for people in our world who like to make traps for others uh, sometimes get caught in them. And, and so it's kind of like, the, you know, maybe, maybe some, some general wisdom, general ethical wisdom that they should not, um, you know, lay traps for people. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether uh, there's a, uh, a pass uh, from even from the prophetic literature, because that's, um, you know, a different type of where it's more uh, uh, proclaiming law and gospel. Uh, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 18, 23, for they have dug a pit to capture me 
and hidden snares for my feet. And then, but then of course, uh, uh, they, they fall in them themselves. Mm. And, and so that's, that, that's kind of like a, a sort of a proverb that, mm. uh, um, that, that if you dig, a, dig a pit for someone, then you, you sometimes will fall on it yourself mm. in, into it yourself. Certainly that's a, a theme that you see in the Psalms, certain prophets, as you've mentioned, that if you lay the trap for someone else, then there is that great likelihood that you will fall into it yourself, or that's how the Lord actually brings his judgment on the wicked sometimes is that he causes them to fall into those traps that they have set for others, their wickedness ends up consuming them. And so, I mean, in terms of the, the ethical part of that, that's I think that's true. I, I wonder if Solomon in verse 8, and especially when you combine it with verse 9, though, isn't only talking about the matter of the wicked falling into their own traps, but rather simply the matter that in day-to-day living, there are things that you do that might be for perfectly wonderful purpose, perfectly you know good Christian vocational purpose, like quarrying stones or splitting logs to go into verse nine. And sometimes what you do ends up coming back and that hurts you. And that's just kind of the way things go, regardless of if you had ill intent in carrying out the task in the first place. Yes. And we find from the interpretation in the New Testament, where the just for an example, um, you know, where where the law says in uh, the first five in the Pentateuch uh, or the Torah that um, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the grain, and and so and then it's it's applied figuratively to um, that those who uh, you know labor with uh, preaching the word, like those in the office of the ministry, uh, should be supported in order for them to give their time to the task of doing God's work. So, I mean, it's, it's used in a figurative way. So here you might say that the idea here is, is that we are to see ways in which we might make traps for others, or, you know, then it talks, then we're going to talk about the, the serpent in the wall um, and, and other things or splitting, splitting logs and, and quarrying stone. And, um, you know, there, there, there's like figurative, um, and, and then when we speak about kings and rulers, there, there is, you know, there, there is a, uh, an analogy that's made right there in the text. Well, I guess in, in verses eight and, and nine, I don't see quite as much figurative language there more, more rather. And I guess verse nine is where I, I'm able to, to see the, the everyday example of this more than in verse eight. I'm not not positive why you would dig a pit in regular everyday life, but maybe that's, I mean, I guess there's, there's reasons you could dig a basement to the house and in, in modern living, or you could you know, dig a well. That's a slightly different word I know in Hebrew, but when it comes to say quarrying stones and splitting logs, you know, these are everyday tasks for, for building a, a house that you might engage in as you're quarrying the stone, it's possible it might fall on you. And as you're as you're splitting the log, it's possible that something might snap off and 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 hit you, and it would endanger you. So that there, I guess, rather than seeing at least this is the way I'm reading it, rather than seeing too much figurative nature here, Solomon's just saying, hey, this is the way life is under the sun. Work's going to be dangerous, and and even when it's work that's good, like going about building a house, 
that could entail danger to you. Just you need to know that in, in everyday life. That's that's kind of the way that I'm reading those two verses. I think that's a very good way of reading it. You know, it's interesting. When I was real, real little, I liked watching going outside and watching my dad split uh, wood. And he built on a tree, he built a little seat for his little uh four-year-old boy to sit on and, and look down and watch him watch uh, the, the uh, pieces of wood whistle as dad swung his axe. Mm. And, and um, you know, I, I noticed as a child that, um, you know, logs or wood, uh, you know, you know, you can be, you could get sliver uh, uh, splinters or sh- uh, slivers, we used to call them up, up here in Wisconsin. And, um, and with, and, or with stones dealing with them one time we, in, in our home, we had, uh, they, they were uh, putting in the sewer, uh, in our home and, and they had, we had some filler that was from a foundry and, and some of the, uh, stones that were in the basement were made of glass. And I used to like to play in the basement and I got a, a scar on my hand as a little boy, because I was playing with a piece of founder rock which was actually glass and it cut me and so you know i can i can understand these these hard things yeah. and, or even as you said when we're building something that we can be uh harmed by uh you know building building somebody could have a whole load of sheetrock fall on top of them if they're building a house right and i think i mean so when i think about the the practical effect of of this wisdom then it's to recognize that within this life, there are dangers that come about in the work. And I suppose the one response for a person would be to, to worry so much that, well, if I do this, X, Y, and Z could happen to me, and that would be really dangerous for me. So I'm not going to do that work for fear of, of all that. One of the responses could be the worry over what's going to happen to the effect that it it stifles the work. And I think thinking about these two verses then in combination with what Jesus says about worry in the New Testament, that these verses should hopefully take away that worry from us and set us free to actually do the work, recognizing that, yes, there is danger, but also recognizing that, as the book of Ecclesiastes has made plain in other places, the Lord is the one who is in control of, of all the times, and we can entrust our, our work into his hands, even with all its dangers. Exactly. And, and, um, um, I think that's, that's, uh, kind of the, the, the redeeming quality of this book that, that, uh, you know, Solomon, as he writes this, uh, you know, really presents that the Lord is, is in charge of the universe and that, uh, you know, it, 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 but again, it's, this is, this is sort of the, the wise older, uh, person that's giving, uh, you know, instruction to the wise son or daughter that that is ready to listen, uh, because also in this uh, particular passage we will see, uh, you know, the fool, which is, you know, in the that's book right. of Proverbs there's that that distinction between the person who is wise. It's either the one uh, disseminating or giving the knowledge or or, or or wisdom, and then the one receiving the wisdom or knowledge. Or the fool, which of course, who of course uh, doesn't see any importance in wisdom or knowledge. 
Mm, right. And I think the, the matter of wisdom, then Solomon brings that in in verse 10, because it, in verses eight and nine, you know, all just all by themselves, it could be, hey, you work and you might die from your work. So that's kind of the way things go. Well, well, what now, Solomon? Well, wisdom. Wisdom is is part of the answer to recognizing what to do with this reality. So verse 10, and this is the one you brought up earlier, Pastor Boyce Claire. We can spend the whole time talking about this verse because it's the title of the show within this verse. <laughs> if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Now, the title for the show, Sharper Iron, actually comes from Proverbs 27. But this one is certainly related. What does Solomon say in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10? Well, it, I think he's saying that, that we should, our implements for, uh, I mean, this is the, just the uh, literal meaning of it, uh, or the literalistic meaning of it, is that uh, in, in order to use iron to cut or chop, it has to be um, uh, sharpened. And, uh, you know, then it will cut cleanly. Then then there won't, if you if you try to, uh, chop a log, not only will you know be harder to chop a log if, if your uh, if your axe head is not sharpened, but you it might bounce off and hit you in the head or something. I mean, you know, so it's it, it makes a lot of sense that that uh, any implement that you use uh, sh- uh, uh, an axe or a sickle, and, and and you know sharpening was very important. If you look in the book of judges, you had a situation where, where the people of Israel were not able to sharpen their axes or their sickles in order to do do the work that they had, um, and and then but of course he uses this to say that wi- so wisdom is kind of like uh, sharpening the iron uh, of 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 our thinking of of our uh, of our um, you know receptiveness to God's wisdom, hmm. and so that that's kind of the idea here. Sure. I think, I mean, there's a, there's an English proverb that matches up somewhat with what Solomon is saying here. The, the work, work smarter, not harder, I think is, is something that I've, I've heard. And I'm pretty sure I've said that, you know, work smarter, find a way that's going to get the job done in an easier way, rather than trying to use brute strength necessarily. And that seems, you know, with the matter of the sharpened iron here, sure, you might be able to chop the log with a dull ax, but if you just sharpen it a little bit, it's going to make your work a lot easier. So work smarter, not harder. But but as you said, then, I, I think, you know, there's more to it than just that simple, like, hey, make sure your axe is sharp kind of thing. But wisdom, then, is that which helps in this life so that you don't, you're not always working harder, but you're actually working smarter. You're working in the in the groove that God has given you in, the, in his law, the way to you know, that he's designed this world to work, when you match yourself up with that, that's a sharper ax than just trying to kind of bulldoze your way through life. Well, also uh, kind of uh, directs us to what uh, in the letter to the Hebrews is said that the word of God is is uh, quick and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword, uh, you know, in, as law and gospel. It, 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 uh, it, 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 accomplishes what God intends it to do and to the dividing uh, asunder or in half of, of uh, soul and body and the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So we're sort of reminded of, of the word of God and, and that, you know, wisdom, of course, you know, if knowledge is something that, that we gain to understand uh, what 
what the truth what truth is wisdom is is the ability to apply that truth for mm-hmm. for our lives and 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 uh you know use wis- uh, use knowledge mm-hmm. right and so this is where i mean wisdom puts that knowledge into practice for life so that as and again solomon has made plain that it doesn't always go this way but it is it's worth our time to go ahead and look for that wisdom to, to seek in God's word that wisdom that he's given so that it's not like just trying, again, trying to, you know, bull in a china shop of this life, but rather actually using the tools, the gifts that God has given according to his word, that, that actually helps you to succeed. And that's, and that's true, even with all of the, you know, you don't know the outcome, you, your stones might fall on you, but still wisdom is is put forward as that way to to succeed as the way to to go through life that is is better than folly exactly and and uh, so so i mean even as as christians as well you know obviously we we believe that we're saved by grace alone that that uh, we rely on and we're we want to be as dependent upon god as as god would make us um, but um, there, there's always, uh, you know, our Lord Jesus said, be as uh, a wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He gave that instruction to the, uh, uh, the 70 that he sent out. Um, and that's kind of reminding that, that as Christians, we're, we're not, we, we may be childlike, but we're not childish mm, or, right. uh, you know, and that'll come up later too in this text. That's right. That's right. So, so far, Solomon, if the iron is blunt, it's not going to work very well. You need to sharpen it. That is wisdom for this life as well. Use wisdom, sharpen the edge, go through life in the wisdom that God has given in his word. We're going to keep looking at this wisdom more on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor David Boisclair this morning about Ecclesiastes chapter 10. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that an investment with Lutheran Church Extension Fund exclusively supports LCMS ministries and church workers? That's right. LCEF ensures LCMS churches, schools, and organizations have access to the financial resources they need to sustain, strengthen, and start ministry work. In other words, you can feel good investing with LCEF because we share your Lutheran values and love for the church. Learn more at lcef.org. LCF is a nonprofit religious organization. Therefore, LCF investments are not FDIC insured bank deposit accounts. This is not an offer to sell investments or solicitation to buy. LCF will offer and sell its securities only in states where authorized. The offer is made solely by LCF's offering circular. Investors should carefully read the offering circular, which more fully describes associated risks. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, August 22nd. We're studying Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 8 to 20 with Pastor David Boisclair. He serves at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri as interim pastor there. Pastor Boisclair, we've been talking about Solomon's wisdom in verses 8 through 10 so far. We didn't really talk too much about the matter of the snake in the wall that's going to bite you in verse 8, because there's going to be another snake in verse 11 
Talk just a little bit about the snake in the wall that might bite you. Yeah. Well, uh, the prophet Amos in Amos 5, 18 through 19 says, Woe to you who desire the day of Yahweh. Why would you have the day of Yahweh? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Um, so so in, 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 in something in, in uh, ancient literature is mentioned the possibility of, of a, a snake coming out where you don't expect it. I mean, as some, uh, as some people have found uh, in the restroom, maybe with the, with the stool in the restroom that, uh, that, that snakes. Of course, I, again, uh, you know, the purpose of the wise man in this particular text is to try to uh, disabuse people of their fears in doing their everyday lives. But I'm just saying that that uh, snakes and and other and other hazards are found where where they're not expected, yeah. um, and 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 it's kind of like mentioned. It's also mentioned in the commentary. I think uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Professor Reverend Bolhagen's uh, commentary on Ecclesiastes. He talks about um, the a person that would maybe break down a wall uh, for of his neighbor's property or his. Uh, um, his his home or whatever, and then uh, you know again like digging a pit for somebody and falling into it yourself. Uh, you know if you dig it in bad intent. So in perhaps breaking down a wall uh, to to get advantage over somebody, you know there might be a snake lurking in there. Mm, yeah. So the the danger of the snake is there in verse eight. Now the snake shows up again in verse eleven. This time in the context of of snake charming. Solomon writes, if the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. What does that mean? Yeah, um, well, there is the custom in in Eastern uh, culture of of snake charming. Usually, you think of a, a like a basket, and and a fellow with a uh, with a turban uh, with a with a flute or some other type of interest. It, instrument uh playing the flute and then out of the basket comes a cobra or a snake uh and and is is seemed to be uh, you, he seems to be able to control the snake and that it won't strike him um in in this case um uh the idea here is is that if you if you have a skill um you know maybe with venomous snakes uh then then it doesn't it doesn't help after after the snake has struck and bitten somebody to to practice any charming on that snake because it's already done the damage that it has the idea here is too about whispering or some kind of a manner in which like the horse whisperer that is is the snake whisperer uh, much like uh, uh, the snake is is a sibilant uh you know using the s's you know making this sound of a snake and uh, possibly keeping it from doing harm. Now Solomon continues then into verse 12, the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. That sounds very much like the book of Proverbs. What does Solomon mean here in Ecclesiastes? Yes. Um, so, so in other words, um, I'm, I'm reminded of, of a, um, uh, a, 
sort of a, a one of those signs with a, a saying on it. Uh, if you if you want to be seen, stand up. If you want to be heard, speak up. If you want to be respected, shut up. Uh, <laughs> It, 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 there's another, there's another proverb for you. Uh, anyway, uh, so it, it's, uh, you know, in other words, a person speaks from, as, as I think the Lord says, from the treasure of his heart, or, you know, the scripture says it, from the treasure of his heart. So if, if that particular individual is wise, then they're going to know when to speak and when not to speak and, and to uh, choose their words carefully uh, in order to uh, help. And, and, but of course, uh, the fool uh, is, is someone who, who likes to speak a lot and, and uh, you know, just deliver absurdity, probably, maybe, maybe in order to uh, protect himself or because he likes to be thought of as wise. And, and as, as the saying goes, if you want to be respected, shut up. <laughs> Well, and, and here the lips of the fool not only reveal him for who he is in this case, but also his his lips end up consuming him so that he, well, and maybe this relates then into the next verse, uh, you know, the lips of the fool consume him. He ends up talking his way into trouble, it sounds like. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's like people say that that you, you have your, your foot in your mouth or something, you put your foot in your mouth or you... Um, you know, get, you can get yourself into a whole lot of trouble by what, by what you say. Um, you know, I, I just, what comes to mind is, is like when you're dealing with, um, uh, officers of the law, like if you're pulled over for speeding or something, not that I've been, that's happened to me once, once on a time, but I mean, you be very careful and respectful to, uh, the person who, you know, the, in other words, the, uh, the policeman that, that pulls you over. Uh, and, uh, because like if, if, um, maybe if you say certain things, you can get yourself into trouble. He might arrest you and for resisting arrest or something else. That's right. That's right. So the, the words of the wise man's mouth win him favor. They do not do that, but rather the lips of the fool consume him. Then in verse 13, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. So it sounds like we're still talking about the fool now in verse 13, and the end of his talk is evil madness. What's Solomon saying there about the fool? It sounds like exactly. Um, and 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 this goes for, um, in a sense, it has a spiritual understanding. Um, the uh, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Uh, so the fool is actually someone who does not believe in God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So people that, that say they're atheists, um, you know, it's interesting. There's no such thing as an atheic atheist practically because everybody as, as Luther says in his large catechism has a God of some sort. Maybe it's yourself, maybe it's money, maybe, um, it's, uh, other people or family members, or you, everybody has, uh, someone, or something that they regard as higher than themselves from which they look for all good money, obviously is, is the God mammon. Um, and, and in this particular case, uh, you know, people can only really say that they're agnostics and, and some of them are, are a little bit humble by that. Uh, I, I think I remember, uh, one of the, uh, 
uh, the Da Vinci Code uh, fellow that uh, was a, a sim symbio or a symbolologist or something, and and he, I think in the uh, one the second series of those films, he he said to a religious leader uh, that faith was not something a gift that was given to him. So he said he was an agnostic. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, when when people uh, deny the true God, that that's kind of uh, it is foolishness or, or it is, is uh, basically uh, the darkness that, that we come into the world by nature with. Mm. Well, and, and as the, just the way that the two parts of this verse go together, you have the beginning of the words at the, in the first half of the verse, and you also have the end of his talk. So the, the fool starts by speaking foolishness, and it doesn't get any better by the end. So, I mean, we've kind of seen this in other places in the book of Ecclesiastes. Where you start matters, particularly in the, the previous parts of, of chapter 10. When you when you start on the right way, the way of wisdom, you're going to go that direction. When you start on the way of foolishness, well, you're going to go that direction. And, and the end here, Solomon says, it's, it takes you to madness. Oh, absolutely. And and that that's that's something, that's that's some really good advice uh, where... where um, you know, the directional, the directionallessness of people in the world, uh, that, that, and you, in your, your heart goes out to them. You would try to like that, that, to, to share with them the peace that we have in Christ, that, that there is wisdom in, in, in trusting in God. And of course, again, there is the, the question of where you're going to spend eternity, but, um, uh, you know, it, it's rather interesting where he also talks about the making of many books. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, publishing that goes on in, in our world today. Uh, but uh, the question is, is, is the subject matter of any importance? Mm. Now, in verse 14, Solomon continues to describe what the fool does. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? What is Solomon saying about folly and the fool here? Yes, uh, in, in this particular case, uh, you know, there there are a lot of uh, people that we meet in the world. Uh, you know, people who are worldly wise uh, that that think they know the future or think they know what's going to happen. But but I mean, uh, well, only God knows the future. The Word of God tells us that that it is only God that knows the future. I remember uh, my professor at seminary some 40 years ago, uh, he said that, um, that the devil really doesn't know the future either. Mm. He's just a good guesser. He's been around for a long time, so he can, he can kind of maybe make a surmise as to, what, as to what's going on. Um, and, and in this, this particular case, again, the, the fool a lot of times is is very arrogant and and thinking that he knows everything you know you you meet a lot of folks in the world like that and and god preserve us from from ever having uh, that arrogance or that uh, haughtiness with thinking that we know everything yeah i mean that's that's a good dose of reality there for all of us that no matter how much we may talk about it we won't know what is to be. We cannot actually predict the future perfectly. And that's that's very helpful for us. It fits right into the book of Ecclesiastes, the idea that we live under the sun and we must put our trust in God, recognizing our limited dependent nature as his creatures. So 
don't just start talking and keep talking because you think that's going to somehow figure things out. Rather, maybe listen to think about the rest of Scripture. Listen to what God's Word says. That's where true wisdom is going to be found. Yes, and and um, you know, as as we can see, a lot of times I think people really, um, if they're wise, they will be uh, be, be somewhat uh, uh, skeptical or or suspicious or careful about any advice that they take. Uh, maybe. Uh, with the desire to, to kind of look more into it, because sometimes we get bad advice from the fool, we might say, or from the foolish world or the world that does not know God. Yeah, that, that's right, Pastor Boyce Claire. So then into verse 15, the toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. What's Solomon saying about folly and fools here? Well, uh, you know, a lot of times... Uh, you know, it's it's rather interesting um, uh, with some other uh, friends here at the uh, convention after the uh, session of the day was over, we went somewhere using a GPS. And, um, you know, it's important to put the proper information into the GPS, <laughs> otherwise it, it's going to lead you astray. And then sometimes on your device, you can you can have one window is open to that gives you uh, directions to one place and then and the same in the same device you have one that uh, a rival uh window that's open that that tells you uh, a di- different directions uh, to uh, to play altogether different place so so the fool doesn't know uh even the simple uh dist- or the simple directions to the town by which they live, where you'd have to go in order to go to the marketplace in order to get food or, or water or whatever else like that, that, you know, he knows everything else about, well, I, uh, I say that uh, the world's going to come to an end on August 12th, but uh, you know, he doesn't know uh, the way to um, where to get water or where to go to the marketplace or the way to the city. Mm, that's right. And so this, his toil simply wearies him. It doesn't accomplish what he desires. It's just a matter of weariness. Now, Solomon's he still talks about wisdom as the verses go forward, but he maybe broadens things a little bit. So verses 16 and 17, I think we can can talk about together because they, they go together. First, in verse 16, "'Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning.'" In verse 17, happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. What is Solomon saying in these two verses? Yes. Um, in, in this, it's interesting when, when we're um, studying the Old Testament that uh, Hebrew poetry or Hebrew wisdom literature uh, defines itself in what they call, what you would call parallelism. parallelism where, where uh, something is stated in one uh, statement, and then, uh, then you have the second statement, which says exactly the same thing in different words. Um, the idea here, uh, what, what's rather interesting, was the, the woe to you, O land, when your king is a child. It was applied to, uh, in a history of the Wars of the Roses, uh, where... Mm. Uh, there was uh, King Henry the Sixth of England who uh, came to the throne of England uh, at, as a as a one year old boy, um, and and um, it, it was pointed out that that everything should have go wrong should have gro- gone wrong because of that, 
but he had wise counselors or wise directors. Although in later in life, when he was uh, an adult, uh, he had uh, he suffered from catatonic schizophrenia, and 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 he um, uh, was unable to be a great leader in his nation. But you know, even in scripture, uh, you have uh, the king Joash who uh, after the uh, evil, his evil stepmother or evil grandmother, or whatever, Athaliah was, was killing all of his relatives, but he was kept uh, a safe and then allowed to, to uh, ascend to the throne uh, that, that he also had wise counselors. So perhaps uh, the wise man here is saying something different in, in relation to uh, verse 17, uh, where it's, it says the king is the son of the nobility uh, in, in this case, he is a child, uh, uh, even as an adult, he could be a child because of his foolishness, because of his uh, lack of experience or because of his uh, ignorance. And so it, it, it's kind of like a, it, it taken somewhat figuratively here uh, when, when the, kings are, uh, the king is a child. Then also the princes are, are those that eat just to eat or drink and, and have parties all the time. Mm, right. And so the matter of feasting in the morning in verse 16 is a sign of that foolishness, because rather than you know, getting up and going to the to the daily tasks that the Lord has set before you, you just get up and, and live in in gluttony rather as opposed to verse 17, where your princes are feasting at the proper time. And they're they're doing that not for the sake of gluttony, but for the sake of actually building their strength. And, and for the sake of continuing that work that God has given, that'd be the, maybe the contrast there in the matters of feasting in those two verses. And, and you know, what's, what's interesting is, is Solomon, obviously, is a person that speaks from personal experience uh, because he is, a, he is the king of Israel. He, he has, uh, you know, he, even at, at the end of his father David's life, uh, there was a, a uh, attempted coup d'etat with his uh, uh, half brother Adonijah, um, and and so um, you know he's he's got a lot of experience in uh, the politicking that went on in in the royal uh, court of Israel. Absolutely. Now in verse eighteen, Solomon says, "Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks." It sounds like work hard. What what's being said there? Well, you know, I, I'm sort of reminded uh, of of uh, the two congregations I served that uh, were that are being closed now had to sell their property because they didn't have the uh, the resources to affix uh, the roof, and a lot of uh, help programs, uh, you know, and 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 there's a reason for this, and that's that's wise. It doesn't d- does not help the budget, you might say, of the church, but. Uh, is for outreach or, you know, in other words, supporting, uh, you know, ministries to people. But uh, if you if you ha- are not able to fix your roof of your church, uh, you know, maybe a part of the ceiling will fall in or or the roof will leak and and uh, the, the building will become filled with um, with mold. Uh, so so obviously the thing is is at that time that you recognize the fact that you can't uh, keep keep the church open. Well, that's 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 somewhat related to this. In in this particular case, it's uh, we need to be uh, diligent about um, our homes. Uh, in the, in this particular case, it's a comparison of the kingdom to a house. Right. And so and so the wise man is saying, you know. 
you wouldn't let your uh, your ceiling fall in, would you? Or you wouldn't let your roof leak. Uh, you know that that would destroy where you live. So uh, if you are uh, you know childish in in your uh, ruling of the nation, or if you're uh, spending the time uh, partying all the time, your 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 whole house is going to uh, collapse. That's right, and I think that comparison to the kingdom is is right on in the context there, especially with verses sixteen and seventeen have said the verse sixteen the the prince who is is childish, the princes who are feasting in the morning, that's sloth, and that's going to cause the roof of the kingdom to collapse. And so sloth, indolence do not have the place in the the life of the ruler, rather the diligent work that is his his place in life. Verse 19, now there is a place for feasting. Solomon gives us some of that here in verse 19. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Now, I think the first two parts of that verse, right on, money answers everything. Maybe we need to, to understand what he means by that, because there's other places in Scripture that say money doesn't answer everything. What's being said here? Well, it, it, it's rather interesting where uh, I think, um, you know, Kyle Dalich or Kyle and Dalich is two, those are two separate men that wrote uh, the old commentary that's uh, about 150 years old. But the ones that I used uh, for Ecclesiastes when I first came out to the, into the ministry, they quote Horace, uh, the, uh, the Latin poet or the Roman poet, uh, where he wrote a letter and he said that, um, you know, it's good to have a wife with a good dowry, uh, that, uh, you know, money kind of uh, helps things. Uh, you know, it's sort of like it maybe, a, uh, it, you know, you, a lot of times when you have the resources, you're able to have a little more freedom. So that's kind of the idea behind it, sort of like a general bit of advice to people. Uh, you know, and obviously, if you use your, it, waste not, want not. So if you use your money wisely, you're able to have uh, the resources to do the things that you need to do. But uh, but also, it, it's kind of like uh, important talking about uh, what sustains our life, like bread. And, and uh, that wine is also something which which can be used as a blessing from God, even as, as uh, Scripture says. Uh, you know, even St. Paul says to Timothy that he should drink a little wine with his water in order to make sure he isn't, um, doesn't um, get the, all of those germs and cause, cause him to have, uh, you know, indigestion or, or maybe further uh, problems in his life. And in terms of the money, I think it's, it's worth remembering that Solomon is describing throughout this book, life under the sun. And in this life under the sun, what is observable, known to human beings Money does a lot of things. This, But what Solomon says there doesn't change, for example, what Paul says about the love of money being a root of all kinds of evil. That is true. Life under the sun, money does a lot of good things. And, and even as Christians, we are right to receive it as a gift from God and put it to use in his service for the work of his kingdom. Let's go ahead and take verse 20 then, Pastor Boyce Claire. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. So beware of those birds sitting in the tree just outside your window, because they may be listening. What uh, What's Solomon saying here in this last verse of our text? Well, it, it's to be very wise in, in how you speak. Um, uh, you know, we usually, it was kind of like... Um, 
as I remember in times, even in our own church, there was, uh, you know, the controversies in our church and that um, people were worried that uh, the author of a certain newspaper would hear what they had to say or something and look for, for uh, you know, like um, uh, bugs, uh, you know, like microphone bugs or something in the house, you know, you know, it's sort of like perhaps if anyone is, is being um, very open in, in, in their, in, in stating their opinion. And especially when they, you know, maybe they might st- state, their opinion about the president of the United States or about uh, persons that are in authority. Um, you know, you, you can sometimes get into, uh, well, like for instance, if let's say someone would say that, um, uh, publicly, uh, where everybody can hear that, uh, they wanted to kill the president of the United States, that's, that is a, um, that's a crime that you can be arrested for. But in this case, it's, it's like, there's always listening ears. Mm. Um, obviously, the birds and, and winged creatures uh, do not, uh, you know, tell tales. But obviously, there are uh, that that there are ears that may hear what we say, and and we and we have to be very circumspect in 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 how we, uh, especially in, in those days. Of course, a king had the power of life and death over you, and you heard. Well, you don't like. He doesn't like the king. He doesn't like me. Well, then. Uh, off with his head. That's right. So be be wise in what you say. If you if you don't intend someone to hear it, then perhaps you should not say it. And even in your thoughts, it says, and we know from from our Lord Jesus that that those things that we think when we do not think appropriate thoughts, that those too break the commandments. Pastor Boyce Claire, we have about a minute left here. We've talked about a lot of various things with Solomon. Help us to wrap things up. How does a text like this uh, point us to Jesus, again, with about a minute left? Yes, Jesus, of course, is our wisdom. Uh, as we see in, in John chapter 1, he is, he's called, be, uh, you know, before his incarnation, uh, the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God. So he, and of course, in, in Proverbs, uh, I believe it's Proverbs 6 or 9, uh, speaks about uh, wisdom that was present with God before the world was created. So he is the one that uh, gives us the wisdom that uh, leads to eternal life. He is the one, of course, who paid the price for that by his suffering and death on the cross for all sins. And and we can trust in him for not only our well-being in this life, but also in the life to come. I think that's something that's uh, that we can glean from this passage of Scripture. Pastor David Boyce-Claire serves as interim pastor at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. He's been helping us today to study Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 8 to 20. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thanks for being our guest today. It's been a real blessing. May God bless all hearers. Wisdom helps one to succeed. Keep that iron sharp, dear Christians. Use the wisdom that God has given in his word, centered in Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about the book of Ecclesiastes, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.